in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Welcome back into another episode of the Sports Hour. This is Mitch Moe. And this is Dallin. Guys, welcome on in to a beautiful uh, Wednesday evening. It is Wednesday, my dudes. It is a Wednesday, my dudes. And, uh... Pretty fitting here, Mitch, on this Wednesday. We are uh, live on YouTube and Twitter on August the 23rd. If you're joining us live tonight on the stream, uh, hello. Thanks for joining. Put in the comments. Say say hi. Let us know your thoughts throughout uh, this uh, podcast tonight. If you're listening in the future, hello. Thanks for joining. And uh, we've got a fun show tonight, Mitch. This Wednesday, though, is... Our last Wednesday doing this live on a Wednesday. Uh, so a little scheduling note to start this thing off. We'll be live on Thursday nights starting next week throughout the season. I thought we were doing Tuesdays. We doing Tuesday Thursday? nights. Tuesday yeah. nights. Yeah. Thank you, Mitch. <laughs> I was gonna say, hold up, oh, this news to me. Mitch is like, <laughs> Mitch was giving me a look like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I don't know what his deal is. Yeah, no, Tuesday nights. You're absolutely right, my friend. Tuesday, so schedule it in. Uh, it's not Taco Tuesday, it's uh Sports Hour Tuesday. So we'll sports, we'll talk sports talk Tuesday. Sports talk Tuesday. Yeah, we gotta come up with some jingle there. But yeah, Tuesday nights will be live starting next week and then throughout the NFL season. Uh that way we can recap the week that was preview the week that will come uh and so much more so we'll be looking forward to that so i guess the last wednesday doing this uh doing this live but uh, yeah that's fun uh mitch are you excited for this podcast tonight i am i am super excited um yeah my last show in chico i'll be yes. up reading so um all good things coming down the pike as we move over to tuesdays um new location uh, for me, I mean, you'll, you'll still yeah. be over there. And uh, have you tested the internet connection up there? Are we are we good to go? Is that gonna you know we gotta we we gotta troubleshoot some I, things I, beforehand? I think we'll be all right. I think we'll be all right. But uh, I, I I will I will double check. And make sure I'm just teasing. I'm just I'm just but, teasing. Um, I'm sure it's great. Yes. So um, I have a different for, background too. What are you gonna what are, what is it gonna look like behind you? You know, I don't know, man. I don't know. There's a there's a lot of boxes and loose things behind me right now. So um, <laughs> that won't be the yeah. background um, come next week. But uh, it, it'll be a good move over to Tuesdays. But Dallin, we got a show tonight. Yes. We got a show tonight and it's chock full. And it is NFL preview stuff. We're, we're full into it now. We're back to once a week. And um, we got some news. We got some 
superlatives we're going to be doing on the back half of the show. Something me and Dallin do every single year, some NFL superlatives. Um, and we got some fun stuff in between. That'll be uh, that'll be a good time. So, I mean, this is going to be a jam-packed show. I'm so excited for it. Um, the, the NFL preview stuff is definitely something I always look forward to um, uh, every year when we get when we get this uh, this part of the year rolling. Yeah, and this is week one of three weeks of NFL season preview for you folks. So strap in because it's uh, we're getting you ready for the NFL season. Uh, in a way that nobody else is. That's what we do here on the Sports Hour. So we got NFL superlatives this week. The Megasode. The Megasode. That'll come up next Tuesday. And then the following week, uh, on game week, NFL week one, we'll give you our NFL awards predictions. We'll start the quick picks and we'll just kick her right off. So, uh, yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we got to get it underway today. But, uh, Mitch, let's start with uh, a bit of news. Uh, and most of this news, actually all of this news, is coming in uh, the NFL. So I guess it makes a lot of sense here. But we've had a few little transactions, uh, just a few little things here and there that we kind of want to just a little react to more than anything. Uh, starting off, I I think we've discussed this on the podcast before. I don't know if it was the week before. A lot of this has been brewing with Jonathan Taylor and the Indianapolis Colts and the situation there. Uh, it, it was reported, I guess, a couple days ago that uh, he was, uh, I guess, given permission to seek a trade, essentially. With, that was uh, yesterday. From, from, the, from the Colts, yeah. Uh, and uh, the reports today furthering this are that there is a deadline set by Indianapolis to find a trade for him till next Tuesday. And if so, then he'd be expected, I guess, to report or sit out or something. Um, but there's a deadline on this trade uh for next tuesday and that uh is being reported there have been six teams that have reached out uh just inquiring about jonathan taylor and two teams that have actually offered a deal so uh mitch i want to see if we can guess what uh six teams do you think called indianapolis about jonathan taylor okay i love it i love it um oh do you want me to kick it off yeah go ahead okay all right i'm gonna go with the Miami Dolphins. That seems like the most logical fit. Definitely uh, the most logical. Probably the one of the what teams that's offered. Would you? Wouldn't you say that I actually would, offered to tra- put up a trade package? I would say, and I would say they're probably the front runner um, mm. when it when it comes yeah. to this deal. Um, I'm gonna say the Dallas Cowboys okay. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um. Ooh, this is where it gets murky. I like Dallas. I'm going to say, I, I'm going to go ahead. Oh, I was going to say list. Tampa Bay, Tampa. Okay. Uh, okay. Tampa is interesting. Tampa, you know, Tampa is in a weird spot. Team re, team building wise. Obviously the quarterback position is a big reset, but they also like recently re-signed Chris Godwin uh, and invested in other places on this team. So they're clearly not just like a tearing it down sort of team. So maybe definitely a spot that could look at a running back. I also want to throw out there, and maybe this seems a little unconventional, but we have to get to six somehow. I'm throwing out Carolina. I'm throwing out the Panthers. Because Frank Reich obviously has a connection with Jonathan Taylor, values the run game. Yeah, they brought in Miles Sanders. He's not long-term solution. Jonathan Taylor maybe could be. So uh, I'll say they at least called to see if, you know, third-round pick. uh, Maybe we can think about it. So I'll say Carolina. That's... That's four right four. there. That's four. 
I'm going to say the Los Angeles Rams. Okay. Maybe Los they're not Angeles, totally confident. Los Angeles Rams. Okay. Not totally confident with the health of Cam Akers. Maybe they're looking, yeah. and there's not a whole lot of depth behind them. Maybe they're yeah, looking Sonny for Michelle that Michelle retired. Cow. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they're looking for that bell cow that they okay. can lean to. Uh, okay. What is kind of a flailing offense. Yeah. Um, and then I want to throw out Denver. I know the other one I was going to throw out drafted Javante Williams, but Sean Payton did not draft Javante Williams and he hasn't been healthy, frankly. So if if Sean Payton sees a Jonathan Taylor out there and says, I want that guy, you know, I, I, that could definitely be a spot. So that's a pretty good six right there. What we had, uh, we had Tampa, we had Carolina, we had the Rams, we had the Broncos, we have Miami and uh, we had Dallas. Yep. Yeah. I feel good about those six. Most likely landing spot, Miami. Is that is that what we agree I, on? I think Miami is probably the most likely landing spot. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Denver was was yeah. a, a location that he winds up at. Um, I'm actually glad, horse. really glad you mentioned that that name because that was the next one I was going to say. So, um, but yeah, the the lack of depth in the running back room certainly seems to fit the need for both those teams. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, definitely a name to uh, monitor. Give me a percentage, one to a hundred, the likelihood that Jonathan Taylor is actually traded before this Tuesday deadline. He actually gets traded from the Indianapolis Colts, and somebody gives a fair trade compensation package to make Jim Ursay and this team say, uh, "Yeah, we'll do that." Well, I I think that it's important to note before I give this percentage that sitting out the season to get what you want doesn't work because we saw that with Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Yeah. We saw it happen Didn't before. Work. It doesn't work. You have to be able to just suit up if you have to and, and get through the year and then maybe try it again next off season. I honestly think right now it's probably at about, I'm going to give it an 82% chance. 82% that, that Jonathan Taylor gets dealt. I think it's, I think there's going to be plenty of suitors, plenty of people trying to reach out to them. And I think plenty of people that can offer Indianapolis, a, a team that's kind of in a soft rebuild stage right now, a, a team that, that, you know, there's going to be plenty of offers out there that they're going to feel comfortable taking wow. for compensation of Jonathan Taylor. Cause yep. clearly they don't value him enough to pay him what he's actually worth. So, right. Um, if there's any, if there's anything right now, if there's anyone out there that's willing to pay the price for Jonathan Taylor, I think that there's going to be plenty of suitors and this deal will get done. So I'm going to put it okay. in the low eighties, 82%. I'm going to give it a Larry Zonka 39%. Mm. Uh, that's what I'm going. I, I think it's close to 50, I, but it's not quite there for me just because I do. I guess I wonder what team is willing to put up the compensation that makes Indianapolis convinced they need to make the trade and not just hold on to him and trade him midseason because they could certainly do that. Right. So to motivate them to do this in the preseason means they have to get a pretty good offer. And I guess I'm not fully convinced that we will see that. But there is certainly interest, as we know. Six teams have called, two teams have offered. And I did also see somewhere else reported that the offers were fair. Uh, and we also know that Jim Irsay expected a first or picks equivalent to a first round pick in return for Jonathan Taylor. So is that two seconds is like, what does that look like? I don't know, but very interesting. Very. And here's, here's the thing that bothers me. And this is why I side with the running backs of the NFL 
not feeling like they're valued the way they should be is like NFL owners will look for a King's ransom for a top tier running back, but yet they don't want to pay him the money to stay there. Right. Like that, that, that just is, that just boggles my mind that you want every, you want a King's ransom in return for this guy, but you're also not willing to pay him, you know, $10 million a year to play this position for you. So you know, where, where's the line? Where do you draw the line with these guys? It, it, it just blows my mind how undervalued the running back position is. And they missed out on a great opportunity, a great PR opportunity with um, all the talk about, you know, running backs are undervalued and we're not getting paid what we should get paid. They had the perfect opportunity to pay Jonathan Taylor, a top three running back in the league, and they didn't do it. And so this is, this is just, it just blows my mind. It just blows my mind how you can ask for that sort of compensation for a guy you're actually really not willing even to pay. Yeah. Yeah. It's very hypocritical. Uh, that is for sure. Um, uh, speaking of running backs, Mitch, we've got it. We had a couple signings over the last couple of weeks. We didn't mention last week on the podcast. So, uh, I'm going to mention a couple of signings and then Mitch and I are going to play a game of, uh, fuck Mary kill. Uh, these contract <laughs> signings. Uh, so these are the these are the three uh, ones that we're going to talk about here. Starting with Zeke Elliott, former running back for the Cowboys, signing with the New England Patriots on a one year deal, it includes a three million dollar uh, base salary, one million dollar signing bonus, worth up to six. So one year, three worth up to six for Zeke to join the Pats. You've got Dalvin Cook, former Vikings running back, ends up in New York with Aaron Rodgers with a deal up to. $8.6 million. So a little bit, a little bit more than, than what Zeke got. And then we had uh, the Baltimore Ravens bringing in a uh, pass rush specialist, Jadavian Clowney, the mercenary pass rusher of the NFL, who every year just decides what team he wants to get paid uh, six to $8 million by. Uh, and this year it was the uh, Baltimore Ravens. He had a one year deal. This one worth up to, or worth 2.5, but up to six uh, for Jadavian Clowney to join Baltimore, Mitch. So fuck, Mary, kill Zeke to the Pats, Dalvin Cook to the Jets, Jadavian Clowney to the Ravens. Okay, so you cut out there a little bit. I'm sorry for the listeners at home. You cut out for just a second there. Did you give your FML? Or your no, FMK I'm asking there? you first. Oh, okay. Alrighty. Okay. Um. Hmm. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to kill Zeke with the Pats. Mm. I don't like. I I just don't like the fit. I know that they have had a history in the past, like the early 2000s, a lot of success with top tier running backs. But um, Zeke is not that anymore. If anything, he's gonna be a touchdown vulture, and he's gonna be a short yardage guy. I think in in New England. So I'm gonna have to kill that. I'm gonna. Mary Dalvin Cook with the Jets. Okay. Okay. I because I think that that's a that's a good fit for him for like a one year deal. Mm. Oh, excuse me. I'm gonna f Dalvin Cook. With okay. The Jets because okay. it's a one night stand, right? You get the one. Right. You get the one night. Right. You get the one year deal with Dalvin Cook to the Jets. Um, they kind of fill the void. They're trying to win now. They still have a very talented guy in Brees Hall behind them. Um, I think that that's a good fit for like if you're trying to win now. I'm going to do Dalvin Cook with the Jets, but I'm going to marry Jadavion Clowney going to the Ravens. Okay. Um, because this guy, like you said, the mercenary, he's almost like the uh, the hitman 
that everyone just hires to make the kill for one year. Um, And I think that's a good fit for the Ravens. It's what they need. They need front four. Jadavion Clowney, regardless of the fact that whether or not he's had a long-term contract in his entire NFL career, um, he still is a stone-cold killer when it comes to pass rush off the edge. So I'm going to marry the Clowney deal. I'm going to F the Dalvin Cook deal, and I'm going to kill the Zeke Elliott deal. Okay. Um, I am going to kill the Dalvin Cook deal uh, mainly because I hate it for Brees Hall. And I'm just such a big believer in Brees Hall this year that it just like, again, long-term it's a one-year deal. He's not sticking around. Brees is the guy as long as he's healthy, but I hate it for this year, him coming back. I was just hoping he'd have a big season and it does feel like it handicaps that it's great for the team, but that's just selfish reasons why I'll kill that. Um, I'm going to marry the Zeke deal to new England. I actually don't hate this. I think it's a good price tag. They didn't pay too much. And I'm not convinced on Ramondre Stevenson. They let Damian Harris go. He's in Buffalo now. So not a clear, you know, guy behind that. And if you're new England looking to add depth at your running back position, the young guy starting in front of him, why not bring in a guy like Zeke who clearly has shown he can be effective in a, uh, you know, tandem role like we saw in Dallas. So I'm going to marry that. And I would like to fuck Jadavian Clowney. Uh, sorry. What are we talking about? Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going <laughs> to <laughs> just, I'm going to say fuck on the Jadavian Clowney deal. Cause as I said, he's the mercenary. So you get a mercenary pass rusher for cheap, a team that's competing for what they hope to be a playoff spot, Super Bowl, uh, high expectations, got to bring in pass rush specialists. So uh, I like that. And they didn't pay that much. Jadavian's gotten some big, bigger deals in the past uh, when he went to Tennessee, when he went to Cleveland. Uh, so it's pretty reasonable price tag. So, yeah, again. yeah, very, yeah. I, I, I like it. I can't, I can't disagree with you. I think yeah. that there's no wrong answer to this, actually, this no. question, because yeah. it's just kind of how you like the fits and, what do you think the best situation is? So I do, I do, I, I, I do. Part of me does want to kill Dalvin Cook to the Jets, um, because I'm a Brees Hall owner in fantasy football. Oh yeah, and it does, it does hurt a little bit knowing yeah. that he's going to be in a split role, um, and probably brought back a lot slower off the ACL right. injury. Um, yep. so there's going to be, you know, I have to think long term as a fantasy owner of Brees Hall, but like that definitely. <laughs> Uh, that's definitely one that sticks in my craw a little bit, but I still think yeah. it's a good deal for Jets. For yeah, you know, for sure. No, it's a great real deal life for the team. purposes. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Mitch, the other bit of news thing, and this actually came out today, uh, earlier this afternoon. Again, we're recording this live on August the 23rd. Uh, but the San Francisco 49ers have announced that uh, the backup to the number one quarterback on the depth chart, the starter coming into next year, Brock Purdy, which No real surprise with what he did last year. Uh, But the biggest question was, who's going to be number two? They brought in Sam Darnold. You have Trey Lance there. Is this the year that Lance proves anything? Uh, Well, the Niners announced today that Sam Darnold will be QB2 on the depth chart. Trey Lance is QB3. And that they are, quote, exploring all options when it comes to Trey Lance. He was not out there at practice today. Uh, Not even out there as a quarterback. He wasn't participating at all, uh, which is notable. It seems to me that that's like a situation where it's, they're saying you're not going to be around. We're not planning on keeping you around. So you don't need to waste your time here. Um, 
a fascinating situation with a guy who was not only the number three overall pick in the NFL draft a few years ago, but a player for which the San Francisco 49ers traded two future first round picks to move up and get right. So fascinating scenario. Um, I got some thoughts on this, but I want to hear from you first on if he does end up being moved, whether it is by trade or just a straight release cut, where would you like to see him go? Where's the best case scenario for Trey Lance to go and actually find some success in his NFL career? I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, it seems like every team in the NFL right now has quarterback pretty much covered except for Tampa Bay. And with the Baker experiment continuing, maybe there's a possibility Tampa Bay is a suitor for him. Um, but I feel like the Niners are just going to outright cut him. I mean, I don't know at this point what the trade value is for Trey Lance and if there is much at all. Yeah. Um, I think if we have learned anything over the last decade is that North Dakota State quarterbacks aren't worth it. <laughs> They're not worth it. Is that, Carson is that... Went Carson Wentz wasn't worth it. Easton Stick wasn't worth it. Trey Lance isn't worth yeah. it. Why would you? Why would you? And they they get praised for like running kind of a quasi pro style offense that spreads the you know that kind of spreads the ball out and is kind of very uh, almost modern NFL centric with the way that they attack offensively. They're not worth it. They're just not worth it. They're pad satters. There's no reason you should be trading up for a North Dakota State quarterback um, anytime in the future. It just doesn't make any sense to me now. Uh, I think that maybe Tampa Bay could be a a, a future landing spot for them. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think that San Francisco is in the wrong for putting Trey Lance at QB3. They're not. No. I mean, he, they, hasn't given them, he hasn't given them any reason to put him higher than that. And they know more than any of us do. I mean, they're seeing him compete against Sam Darnold and electing to put Sam Darnold ahead of him, you know? So, like, that shows you enough in and of itself of how they feel about this kid. I do think I do think there is, like, a chance for him. He's just got to go in the, like, sit in a backup room, sit in a quarterback room and back up and just learn. I mean, the kid is still incredibly long, young. Started his NFL career at 21 years old. So he is younger than, I, I think I saw today, he's younger than Will Levis. I mean, he is younger than a lot of young, quote-unquote, quarterbacks in this league. So if there was a place where he could just sit for a couple years and just learn and just learn the the profession, get a chance, kind of reset his career. You know, I think there's a possibility there. I would love the the one place that came to mind for me, uh, just a place that has a good culture. Uh, maybe that could help him. A veteran quarterback who's failed and been able to restart his career. But when I, why not Seattle? Why not? Why not Seattle in that culture? Backing up Geno Smith. Yeah. Who would understand more? what it's like to fail. I mean, Trey Lance didn't even get a shot. I mean, at least Geno Smith played. Like, Trey Lance couldn't even find the field. He was that bad. But Geno would be a great mentor in that case. So I kind of think Seattle would be an interesting spot. I don't think you're getting much more than, like, a fifth or sixth round pick for Trey Lance, if anything. I mean, yeah, the value is absolutely tanked. 
Uh, and I, I, um, I think it's fascinating this Trey Lance stuff. I, I do want to. I guess I, I think Zach Wilson should feel very grateful that Trey Lance has bottomed out the way that he has, because I think a lot of people want to say that Zach Wilson is the big bust from this from that NFL draft class, right? And justifiably so, he's not had a good start to his career at all. But the fact that the Niners traded up for this guy and he couldn't even find the field like at all stayed healthy for like two seconds, but then couldn't compete against like mid NFL players. That to me is way more of a bust than a guy that at least threw out there for two half seasons and saw. Yeah, he doesn't got it. Like at least he had enough confidence to put him out there. You know, I mean, it's crazy. It We're going to look back on this trade. And that move for Trey Lance. And that might be one of the biggest whiffs in NFL history, frankly. I mean, the price that they paid to move up for him and the absolute zero that they got from him. They got at what they got like two games. What did he play? I mean, nothing. You know, the situation is crazy. The situation is different for me, though, because like Zach Wilson, you know, Zach Wilson, he goes to New York. They had nobody there. Nobody. They had Joe Flacco and Mike White. That was it. Like, they had nobody there. Trey Lance comes to San Francisco, and he's got to compete. And I'm not being a Trey Lance apologist here, sure. but he, he had to compete with Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah. who was a proven winner. Right. And granted, the numbers aren't great with Jimmy Garoppolo, but he was a proven winner. He's got to compete with that at some point, or he's got to compete with that yeah. from the start. Right. Jimmy G goes down. He has some injuries. Trey Lance steps in. We, we see kind of these these snapshots of what kind of quarterback he is. And so I don't know if that, I mean, I definitely, I mean, he's a bust. He's a bust. It, it is what it is. But like, he's I think the, like the situations are completely different for those two, though. Well, like Zach yeah, Wilson. I'm not, I'm not saying they're the same scenario, but if one has to be the bigger bust, I think the guy who couldn't even see games and when it came down to writing a depth though. chart between Brock Purdy, Sam Darnold, and Trey Lance, you're telling me in year three of the NFL, yeah, you weren't expected to start as a rookie. I get that. They shouldn't have started him as a rookie. Not over Jimmy G, not coming out of North Dakota State where he didn't even play the whole 2020 season. He played one game. But it's 2023. You've been in the season. You've been in the NFL for two years. You're entering year three. You've got... Mr. Irrelevant ahead of you and Sam Darnold, who's flamed out of two organizations already. And you can't even be QB two. Like you can't even deserve, like you can't even earn the backup spot in that. Right. I mean, like, what does that say about this player? Like you can say there's a lot of unknowns, but the fact that the Niners aren't even willing to see what those unknowns are shows you how bad this situation is and how much they clearly don't trust him or don't believe in him or whatever it is. Cause they are electing not to play him. Okay. I, I get that. I get that. It's just, I don't, I don't think the situations are the same, but you know, it's right. You know, yeah. Trey Lance definitely is. It looks worse. Well, we're not the saying end. they're the same he situation. Looks, no, but, if you're going to compare the two, we have to take them as like they're, they were in, they're both top five picks in their draft class. They were both rookie quarterbacks with a ton right. of talent or a suspected ton of talent coming into the NFL. 
One went to a spot where he could start now. One has to play behind Jimmy Garoppolo. It's completely different scenarios that they branched off into to be here. And I guess right. what you could say is that, you well, know. That's what we're talking about, though. That's what we're doing. That's we're comparing the two. Right. And, and I'm saying that I'm saying, saying the paths were You're just saying different. you can't compare them. I didn't say you couldn't. I said that the paths were completely different. The 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 sat the two right. paths that they took were completely different. Um, yeah, that's all I'm saying. That's okay. all I'm saying. But yeah, so it, it it's tough for me to comprehend who's the bigger bust. I guess in my mind, like when we talk about who's the bigger bust, because that that conversation is always going to come up. It's it's hard for me to compare the two because they they went into two completely different situations. One was a starter from day one. One had to compete behind a guy that was already an established winner and starter in the NFL. So that that's a little bit different. But now we could look at it and go, well, of, of course, Trey Lance is the bigger bust because he couldn't. Yeah, well, that's what we're Mr. trying Irrelevant. to do is look at it right now and decide whether he was a bust or not. But uh, we will see again. We'll see if he ends up getting traded, if the Niners can even find someone who's interested uh, they apparently reportedly have been shopping him all off season. Uh, and there were significant talks in the spring with the Minnesota Vikings. So would Minnesota continue to be interested? What sort of draft compensation again? We'll see. Uh, but the Trey Lance stuff, certainly interesting to see uh, what has happened with this third overall pick just a few seasons ago. Um, Mitch, let's get out of the news. I've got a little thing. I saw this. I, I honestly I saw this on like a graphic. Um like a couple months ago and just wanted to like store it as I thought interesting information that I wanted to quiz you on the podcast one day. So here we go. Uh, I saw this graphic and it was uh, the T it was the uh, conferences, the conferences in the NFL or the divisions, excuse me, that had the most wins playoff wins since the year 2010. So I want you to see if you can, uh, I guess if you could predict who had the, which divisions, NFL divisions had the most or least amount of playoff wins since the year 2010. So what I, so I'm not going to make you get these in order. This isn't like a real game. I'm just curious to hear your <laughs> okay. thoughts on like what you, who you think would end up at the top of this, who you think are like the top four divisions. As far as most playoff wins in the NFL since 2010 through uh, the 2022 season. By by division, though. By division. Okay. okay. As a whole. All righty. Let's see. Um, let's start with the AFC East. Okay. AFC East is there. They are number two. Not number one. Wow. And let me tell you, Mitch, they are number two by a significant margin. Wow. They're pretty close to three. They're pretty close to four. They're closer to five than they are to number one. Holy smokes. There you go. But you got one of the top four. So you got one of the top okay. four. AFC East is up there. 22 playoff wins since 2010 for the AFC East. And yeah, it seems like, the, um, that seems like, like probably the all one. of them came from New England. So, right. Um, okay. Um, let's go AFC North. AFC North is number four, 19 okay. wins for the AFC North, 19 playoff wins since 2010. You've got two and four. All righty. 
I'll um, let you get two wrong, but you can't get more than two wrong, or else okay. then you just get to guess them all easy. All so right. we got to make it. So yeah, but so far you're two for well, two. Okay, so NFC North was really dominated there for a long time. I don't think the Packers won that many playoff games. Um, NFC South had some dogs for a while. Panthers, Falcons, oh, and Saints since 2010. And the Bucks had their recent run. I'm going to go NFC South. Just misses. NFC oh. South, number five. 17 playoff wins for the division since 2010. So you guys, one miss. You can miss only one more. Okay. Holy smokes. You have um, one AFC and one NFC division that you're looking for. Oh boy. Okay. So I've got the two AFC divisions. So it's going to be the West two AFC so far. Right. But I'm looking for one AFC. Yes. One more AFC and And one one more NFC. Um, So it's the South or the West. Sorry. Did you guess? No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm playing it out in my head. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, It's the South or the West. It, it can't be the South. So it has to be the AFC West. Okay. AFC West number three on yeah. the list. 20 wins for the AFC West. 20 since wins. Since 2010. Wow. 20 wins. Number three, you're missing number one, Mitch, and it is an <laughs> NFC division. And okay, you have so... one guess. That's it. So it's not the NFC South. So it is the West, East, or North. That is the ones that are remaining. Since 2010, I'm going to go NFC West. And by a wide margin, too, Mitch, the NFC West has 29 playoff wins. Oh my Since God. 2010. And just think the Niners have gone to what? Two NFC championship games in the last like three years. The Seahawks made multiple Super Bowl runs. The Arizona Cardinals had a deep run in the 2010s. The Rams won a Super Bowl and made multiple deep runs. It's like every team in that conference has at least gotten to the conference championship game. There you go. Yeah, out and in. Out and in. Uh down, that was a great segment. That was a great segment uh, of the playoff wins, man. I mean, absolutely shocking to me that this wasn't the AFC East. I mean, this 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 felt like with the long run of Patriots success, the Bills of recent years, um, the the sporadic years of the Dolphins and the Jets. It felt like it had to be the AFC East, but gosh darn it, the NFC West makes a ton of sense when you talk about all the playoff appearances they had, all the conference championships that they played in the super bowls that they played in uh, makes a ton of sense. So that's, that's a really eye opening um, statistic that you just threw out there. I love that. That was great. That was great. My friend. Yeah. There you go. Um, Alrighty. Uh, yeah, that was uh that was fun stuff there. Let's um let's take a quick break and hit a mid roll here and we'll come back on the other side uh, and continue this here. So uh, stick around and we will be right back.
Welcome back into the sports hour with Mitch Modellan. Thanks for hanging with us through the break. Uh, Dallin, we got a couple fun segments to go through. We got a little immaculate grid. We got a couple top fives. Then we got our NFL superlatives. Something we've been waiting a long time to do. So, Dallin, let's jump right into it. Get the juices flowing. Yeah, I think let's let, let's start with the top fives, actually. Um, oh, okay. If you're cool with that. If you're yeah. cool with that. Um, how about you go ahead and start with your top five? All right. Sounds good, man. Yeah, let's get into the top five. So, Dallin, we've been doing our um, our top five quarterbacks by decade series, and it's been something that um, we've been doing kind of during the whole offseason. We did the 60s. We did the 70s. We did the 80s. We did the 90s. We did the 2000s. But I'm going to add a little subsect here, and I'm going to call it the Pioneers Division. Um, guys that maybe didn't get the right amount of um, maybe recognition that they should have on previous lists because of their styles of play. But this specific style of play is always really fun to watch, and I'm really uh, I they just captivate off audiences, no matter. Uh, who's watching. So on this week's edition of Mitch Moe's top five list of the week, we're going to be doing the top five gunslingers of all time. Okay. Top five gunslingers. That's right. So guys like that um fit a certain criteria and Dallin, that criteria um, has, has that there's three different things that they have to accomplish with this. Right, they have to have the strong arm, right? They have to have the strong arm. They have to have the unpredictability, guys. That you're not really sure how this risk that they're going to take is going to pan out. And number three, maybe a little bit of swagger, maybe a little bit of confidence um, to them, and that's what makes them this type of this type of player, this gunslinger that we always uh, love to watch. Um, some honorable mentions. I'm going to go with Sonny Jurgensen, Warren Moon, and Kurt Warner is honestly going to make the mm, the yeah. uh, honorable mentions here as far as gunslinger. Um, big arms. Maybe Kurt Warner is not the big personality that you would think, but um, a guy that definitely uh, had a little bit of an unpredictability to him. But when you look at those 90s Rams offenses, man, you have to be excited about uh, the stuff that Kurt Warner put together. But uh, number four, Five on the list, Dallin, for the top five gunslingers of all time. We're going to go to Daryl LaMonica. Daryl LaMonica, uh, quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, more well, more well-known as the quarterback of the Oakland Raiders. Um, guy had 164 touchdowns to 130 interceptions in his career. But when you look at the era that he played in and kind of the beginning of that Al Davis Raiders team where al davis coveted speed he coveted speed the ability to stretch the field put you know force the ball down the field daryl lamonica was the perfect quarterback for that um 1969 uh completed 51.9 percent of his passes which at that time was actually a very good completion percentage uh, for 3300 yards and 34 touchdowns um this guy was one of the original gunslingers um ushering in kind of the modern Super Bowl era. So I have to give Daryl LaMonica the nod at number five. 
There you go. There you go. Uh, the Mad Bomber, I think, is as he's called, right? I think that's his nickname. Maybe. I, that's, what, uh, that's what I saw. Oh, yes, it is the Mad Bomber. Yep, yeah, it go. is. Yep, the Mad Bomber. Yep. I almost said that to uh, Ken Stabler, but that's the snake. I'm sorry. Mm. That was uh, that was my bad. Uh, number four on the list. We're going to go to Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly, the 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 colonel, the captain behind the K-Gun offense of the Buffalo Bills in the early 1990s. Jim Kelly is on this list. And you know what? He's a perfect fit for he's a perfect fit for a gunslinger because he comes over from the USFL, a more pass happy league, a league that uh, really stressed the passing game and excitement and fun um, in the NFL or in the game of football. They called the NFL the no fun league at that at that point in time um, because it was very run heavy, defense heavy. Um, the USFL kind of revitalized that, and there was a lot of. Uh, players that came out of the USFL um, with these type of skill sets. And Jim Kelly is one of them. Um, you look at the four Super Bowl appearances, his ability to run the K-Gun offense. Um, Jim Kelly is one of those guys in the early 90s that not only led successful teams, but successful pass-happy teams. Um, a high-risk, high-reward type quarterback. I love Jim Kelly at number four. Yeah, yeah, it's a... Uh... That's a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah, so number four, uh, number three on the list, we're going to go way back, way back, the original Gunslinger. And so original that his nickname was Slingin'. We're going Slingin' Sammy Baugh. Yeah. At three on the list. Um, played his entire career from 1937 to 1952 with the Washington Redskins. Um, the guy was the original the original gunslinger. I mean, this guy was airing the ball out in an era where it was run, 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 pass if you're crazy, then run, 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 pass if you're crazy. I mean, this was a this was a completely different era of the league, but Sammy Baugh had an arm that was um had an arm and a games type that did not match anyone else in the league at that time and nor anyone up to that point. So um, Sammy Bob, the OG gunslinger, gets the number three not on the list. Yeah. Only number three, though. Only number three. Number two on the list, we're going to a product of the Air Coriel offense. We're going to Dan Fouts. Dan Fouts is going to get the number three nod on this list. Uh, a guy that we had talked about just a few weeks ago uh, when we talked about the top quarterbacks of the 80s. Guy throwing for 4,700 yards in 1980. I mean, yeah. 19- 80, this guy was thrown for 4,700 yards. Um, unheard of numbers at that point in the NFL. Um, the guy was, yeah, this was, this was the perfect offense for this type of quarterback, the air it out type offense. Don Coriel, the, the orchestrator of the air Coriel offense. Um, perfect for them. Dan Faust, number two on the list. I like it. I have, uh, I have a thought on who's number one. I'm I, pretty sure I'm right, but uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean you you got to know it's you got to know it's Brett Favre. You got to know it's <laughs> yeah. Brett Favre here, man. I mean, yep. this guy was when you talk about swagger, unpredictability, and strong arm. This is the guy that instantly gets into your brain. Um, 
Brett Favre is the guy that is the ultimate gunslinger. Um, he at one point was the all-time touchdown leader. He is still the all-time interception leader um, with the big yardage numbers, with the big touchdown numbers, um, the endless highlight reels of of a guy that just took the risk if he saw a chance of it being a success. Um, Brett Favre is the the pinnacle of what a gunslinger gunslinger should be. So Brett Favre, the number one gunslinger of all time. Yeah, that seems uh, pretty fitting there. That's the uh, is the name that comes to mind when I think of a gunslinger at quarterback is Brett Favre. So I like it. Great, uh, great list. Mitch, roll through the top five one more time for the folks. Yeah, let's do it at number five. Uh, Daryl LaMonica, number four, Jim Kelly, number three, Sammy Baugh, number two, Dan Fouts, and number one, Brett Favre. There we go. Great top five, my friend. Always good to hear Mitch Moe's uh, top five list of the week. Um, Let's uh let's get into our NFL superlatives, Mitch. Let's let's continue this NFL preview and let's uh let's do our NFL superlatives for the 2023 season. And when we do this, I also want to uh look back because we did this last year and we had some good uh we had some we had some good good picks in this. Uh we had some not very good picks in this. So uh we'll we'll also throw in there what uh what we thought was going to happen in 2022, but uh, we've got 10 categories, 10 superlatives that we're going to give out for the uh, 2023 NFL season. And uh, right at the top, Mitch, the first one on here is uh, last to first. This is the team that finished last in the division in 2022 that will finish first in the division in 2023 last year i guessed it would be or i predicted to be the ravens they did not they finished second kind of close uh you had the broncos uh, i also had broncos as one of my honorable mentions i remember and uh, they also just finished last again so uh yeah they didn't have quite the year that we thought they would uh but who is your pick in 2023 to go from last in the division in the prior year to winning their division this next season it might be the easy pick I don't know. Maybe there's an easier pick than this, but I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. I think that there is a legitimate um, possibility that they wind up at the top of the NFC South. And I'm not saying that they're going to win 11 games. They're not going to win, you know, uh, they're going to win 10 games, but maybe nine wins is all you need to get to the top of the NFC South. And with the competition of the Buccaneers, them falling off the Panthers still kind of in that rebuild phase, the saints tons of question marks around that roster. Um, maybe the Falcons who I was pretty cold on in our way too early, um, predictions earlier this year, I'm kind of heating up on them and I think they could win this NFC South. Yeah. I think the Falcons are like the, maybe not the easy choice, the obvious choice. Like they are definitely the one you look at. I mean, and part of it too is uh, that the NFC South last year, you said nine wins might win it, Mitch. Eight wins won it last year. So right. I think nine is going to be more than enough in 2023. The Bucks were eight and nine, and then the Panthers, the Saints, and Falcons all finished seven and 10. So theoretically, this was the team that was closest to winning their division while also being in last place in their division last year. So 
Yes, it is the right pick. I also wrote down Falcons, but I am going to throw in the New York Jets as well as an honorable mention just to just to throw another team out there uh, because, yeah, they were seven and ten last year uh, and not the season they wanted. But with Aaron Rodgers, you know, they would be better. Could they get past Buffalo to win the division? I'd say probably not, but they, they have a they have a good shot at getting there at least. So we'll go. Uh, we'll throw the Jets out there as well. Mitch, uh, any. Yeah, anything you want to add there? Oh, no, I was just going to agree with you. Don't sleep on the Jets. Yep. Don't sleep on the Jets. There you go. Uh, Mitch, a year too early. This is the team that everyone is just a year too early on. Uh, unfortunately for us last year, my friend, we had the Jaguars as this team because it just kind of felt like the hype around the Jags. It just was building to too much. And I will say there was hype at this time last year that they were like Super Bowl sleeper, Super Bowl contenders, right? Now they did win their division uh, with a nine and eight record. Not a great year, but a good year. They did win a playoff game in incredible fashion against the Chargers. So I will say, I don't think we hit that one per se, but I do think we were right in saying that, you know, true playoff contender, true Super Bowl contender was going to be a year away. Safe to say Jacksonville may be there now. Who is your pick in 2023, Mitch? Who is the team that uh, people are just hyping up too much a year too early? We got to be more patient. I don't think people are hyping this team up, but I also think that we're only a year away. Mm. Give me the Chicago Bears. Oh, okay. We went out. <laughs> we have Justin Fields. It's great, right? We moved on from David Montgomery. What were the big needs? The offensive line, the front seven, and get Justin Fields a weapon. What do we do? We improve the off- We improve the defensive front seven. We have a better front seven than we did last year. We have a better offensive line than we did last year. We needed the weapon. We go ahead. We get DJ Moore in the trade. We did all of that, and I'm saying we as a Bears fan. I it, it, <laughs> I wasn't a part of this, but I'm I am I feel like I am still. We did this while still not chipping too far into our available salary cap. We still have a ton of money left to spend when the free agent market's probably going to be a little bit better next year. We can we can look at this team and go, the foundation is there. Justin Fields, third year in the league with an actual weapon a rotating cast of running backs. That's going to be fine, but he's going to be protected and the defense is better. The bears I think can win six, seven games. I think that we're a year too early for other people that are maybe getting a little excited over it of that nine, yeah, that eight, nine, 10 win team yeah. that the bears could be in about a year. I think we're a little bit too early on the bears. I know that I'm a little bit too early on the bears. So that's why I'm putting them down as a year too early this is for you is what you're saying it's not for everybody else it's a selfish pick it's a selfish reminder don't be too early on the on the bears mitch that's what you're telling yourself that's right i you know i think it's fair too especially when you look at the division i think a lot of people look at the nfc north as up for grabs right minnesota was a fluky 13 wins no aaron Rodgers in green bay detroit is still detroit you know they still got jared goff at quarterback as good as everything was So I think you can look at the division and say, oh, yeah, there's a world where the Bears could win the division. But I do think that it's more, uh, yeah, uh, fantasy than reality. And we're probably a year away from that. But as you pointed out, they're making the right steps. They're moving in the right direction. And that's what you want to see. 
So. Ryan Pace has them in the right direction. Yeah. That's 100% for sure. Yeah, that's what you want. My year too early, and this is a little more unorthodox than what we typically do for this category, but I am going to go with the New York Jets. The New York Jets are my pick for a year too early because I think people who are thinking about the Jets as a Super Bowl contender this year are mistaken. I think it's going to take at least a year. Just just not every situation is going to be Tom Brady and the Bucks, okay? And not every situation is going to be Russell Wilson in Denver either. That the the reality is somewhere in between there, right? But it might just not go 100% perfect for the Jets this year. You know, it could be good. It could be 11 wins. It could be wild card, win a playoff game. But I don't think that they are a legitimate Super Bowl contender in 2023. I think in 2024, with a healthy Aaron Rodgers and the development we expect from their young players, that team it w- could be incredible. But I do think they are a year from away from being an actual Super Bowl contender. So I will nominate the Jets for that. That I like the different approaches we took with this. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that you're absolutely right, though. I think that penciling in the Jets as a Super Bowl contender is a little bit silly. Um, they, they, they need time to become cohesive. They need time yeah. to actually gel together. Um, and the, you know, very rarely do organizations do that in just one off season. So I think you're hundred percent right. on board with the, uh, on point with the Jets. Sick. All righty. Uh, Mitch next up our NBA league pass team. Uh, so this is, uh, NBA League Pass is where you get to watch all of the NBA games. And so if you're a madman, you're watching some weird Oklahoma City Thunder team that has 30 wins, but just is incredible and has these fun players. And they're just a joy to watch, even though they're not good. That's this category. Who's going to be a joy to watch and super entertaining? And you want to be in there every week, but they may not actually be a good team or a contending team. That's what this uh, sort of category is. Mitch nailed this last year with the Detroit Lions. He had the Lions for his pick last year, and that was the league pass team. That that was the exciting team that wasn't really good, but you were like, wow, what are they doing out there? Incredible. Um, this year, Mitch, I my pick is your Chicago Bears. Mm. Your Chicago Bears are the NBA league pass team this year. They are that team. They're going to make a leap. They're going to be fun, the exciting. The offense will be better. Fields, I think, is going to take a big step forward this year. And people are just going to want to watch the Bears every week, not because they think they're going to win, but because it's going to be fun to watch. So I'm picking the Bears for my NBA League Pass team. My pessimism comes out and go, is it fun for like a, a comedy of how bad they are? Or is, <laughs> is it, it like, are we that- la- or is it fun Are you laughing with us or at us? Is that what you're asking? Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you know what? I have to agree with you. I think the Bears are definitely in that conversation. Um, I'm going to be watching them week in and week out regardless. So maybe I am a little bit desensitized to that pick because I'll be watching yeah. them regardless. But right. I could definitely see where people are going, God, it's 1 p.m. on a Sunday. And what games are on? Oh, let me turn on the Bears. Let me see what's happening there with mm-hmm. Justin Fields. That exactly. might be fun. Yeah, I think yep. that that Fields more connection is going to be a ton of fun to watch. I think it's going to be so. a ton of fun to watch. Um, so I'm all I'm all on board with you with the Bears. I'm going to go kind of in a similar direction. A team that's that was really bad last year, but I think that is going to make the step. Maybe not even make a step forward, but they're going to have an exciting young player to watch. I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts. Nice. I'm going to yes. go with the Colts. I like 
I continue to heat up more and more on Anthony Richardson. And Man. I think that this guy is going to be exciting to watch. And I think he's going to provide an absolute offensive showcase to watch over there in Indianapolis. Um, the team may not be very good at the end of the day, um, but darn it, are they going to have some fun moments that's going to be fun to tune in and see what Anthony Richardson and the Colts are doing. So regardless of all the Jonathan Taylor trauma, drama, I am going to go, it might be trauma, but right now it's drama. I'm going to go with uh, the Indianapolis Colts and Anthony Richardson as my NBA league pass team. Yeah, I think that's another good one because I think Richardson is just going to be fun to watch. We're just going to want to see what he does every week. Uh, so I think that is a uh, that's a great pick. Uh, before we move on, you just reminded me of something I had to mention. Uh, we're talking about the Trey Lance stuff. I forgot to mention this, but I listened back to I, I, I was curious our thoughts on Trey Lance and that draft class like before the draft. So I listened back to a podcast we did a couple weeks before the draft. We did a first round mock draft and we alternated picks and we, we, we made picks for all these teams. And when I got to number three, it, you know, it'd gone Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. I was on the odds. I went number three and I picked Justin Fields and I made a big point about talking about how Justin Fields was being underrated and how he was arguably the second best. You could make an argument. He was better than Zach Wilson. Like he was neck and neck with him and that he was clearly better than, you know, Lance and uh, Mac Jones. And I'm just, I, it feels pretty good. We, we were on the same page there. It feels good to be in that boat in hindsight, seeing how those things played out. Still baffles my mind that Fields fell as far as he did. I I mean, I'm just glad he's in blue and orange right now, man. <laughs> hey, I'm just glad he's yes. in blue and orange. <laughs> you got lucky with that one. That's that is that was great. Uh, all righty, Mitch. Uh, let's uh, let's move from teams to players. We'll start with our rookie sensation. What rookie will light the league on fire? In 2023, my pick last year was Drake London. Solid year, not a great year. Uh, you had two picks I wrote down, and they both were slam dunks. Brees Hall, Sauce Gardner, you you put both of them. And even though Brees had a long, a, a short-lived uh, stretch with the injury, it was a dominant and holy cow, what is he doing out there stretch? So I'd say those were both big wins for you. Who's your pick for rookie sensation this season? Well, you know, I, I hit it with a mod Gardner last year. Sauce. Sorry, but yeah. I should call him. I should call him by his. His righteous his name, name. Which is sauce, <laughs> not his given name, but his righteous name was sauce. Um, I hit it with a DB last year and I'm going to go with a DB again this year. Ooh. And I'm going to go Brian Branch, the second round draft pick to the Detroit yes. Lions safety. Uh. I am going to go with Brian Branch. This seems like a guy that I watched him play at Alabama last year. An absolute ball hawk, physical guy. Um, I think he's a great fit for a Dan Campbell-type defense, a Detroit defense that's looking to build around young pieces. They have the Aiden Hutchinsons. They have the Jack Campbells. Now they have the Brian Branches. This is a young nucleus of a defense that is looking to emerge. And I think that he has, he has primed to be um, one of the big um, breakout rookies of, of this draft class. So I'm going to go with Brian branch. Mm. Yeah. Talk dirty to me. I mean, that is uh that's the kind of stuff I like to hear. You know how I am on Brian branch. I mean, I was like, I had him, I think in some of my early mock drafts, I had him in like top 10, top 12 category. Yeah. Uh, even in my final mock draft, I just looked it up. He had him at 23rd in the first round. He did fall to the second, but man, I just, I love him. I love Jalen Petrie. I love those 
safety that turn into that nickel uh, slot guy in the NFL that just plays all around the field and just makes plays. And he's Mika Fitzpatrick. That's Mika Fitzpatrick's role. We just think of him as better than that. We just like minimize the role for some reason. But man, those players are so impactful. I love Brian Branch. So that's a great pick. That's my that. guy. That's my guy, man. Roll that. damn tied. Come on. Roll, t- roll tied. Uh, I am doubling down a wide receiver. I picked a wide receiver last year, but uh, my pick is Zay Flowers. Uh, I loved Zay Flowers coming into the draft. Uh, just, just twitch. The kid is just twitch. Speed out the wazoo. Goes to Baltimore a team that just needs weapons, needs speed, needs dynamism alongside Lamar Jackson. And I think he's just going to be uh, a perfect compliment and the perfect kind of weapon for Lamar to just easy routes, give him easy routes, get the ball in Zay's hands and let him work, let him gain yards. You're not asking Lamar to do too much. I think it's a beautiful marriage. So I'm very excited about that combination. I think Zay Flowers will have will be the rookie wide of those four wide receivers. There was the four in a row, right? Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quinton Johnston, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison. I think of those four, Zay Flowers is the guy at the top of that list at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, it might be a fancy darling at the end of the year. I mean, with how talented yeah, this guy be. is. Um, and not to foreshadow or anything like that, but, um, and the opportunity that has in Baltimore, I mean, a shallow wide receiver room and he steps into it. He has an opportunity to be the wide receiver, wide receiver one. If he shows enough talent right out of the gate. So I love the yep. Zay flowers pick loves Zay flowers. All righty, Mitch year two leap. This is a specified as a non-quarterback category. So not a quarterback here, but a year two player who's going to make a big leap to either a bigger starting role, a superstar status, just something like that. Uh, Our picks last year, I had Elijah Moore. That was a big whiff. Uh, Mitch had Devontae Smith, which was, uh, I think, a good, uh, a very solid pick. He didn't, it was a moderate breakout, but uh, he didn't decline by any means. He definitely improved. Uh, AJ Brown kind of, uh, you know, that certainly helped. That, that complicated yeah. <laughs> things. That complicated things for sure. Yeah. Uh, year two leap, non-quarterback, 2023. My pick, Mitch. Uh, this is a homer pick. I won't have many of them. I think it's my only one. Ike Mekwanu. Icky. Uh, give me big Ick. Uh, Icky Aquanu is going to have a breakout year. He came on very strong at the end of last season. Uh, and, man, on the offensive line as rookies, it's so hit or miss. You don't see many guys thrive early. It's usually year two, if not year three, that you really see players start to sort of come into their own. But the elite players in year two break out at offensive tackle. And I think this is the year for Icky. Uh, he's everything's trending in the right direction for, for him. Extremely talented breakout season, maybe Pro Bowl level. Uh, I like Icky this year. Damn it. That was one of the guys I had written down. So. Nice. <laughs> Look, nice. and, and, and you know what? You're <laughs> absolutely right. You know what? The, the big guys up front don't get enough love. And this guy has, if you watch this guy's footwork on film, it is incredible. I mean, yep. this guy has all the size and the speed and everything, but his technique is unmatched. And you're, you're absolutely right. This could be the big breakout year where he kind of emerges as a top offensive lineman in the NFL. 100% on board with Icky being your pick there. Um, I did have other two other guys written down though, and I'm gonna go with Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, I'm gonna go yeah. with Kyle Hamilton. I'm gonna stick with the DBs. I've I'm a little. I had one pick with Sauce, and oh, 
maybe I'm a little bit of hot streak with with court with uh, DBs, and maybe I'm getting a little bit spicier. But I'm gonna go with Kyle Hamilton. I think he makes that big two year leap. We yeah. know that Houston's still not going to be good, right? They they they're not going to be a good team. But Kyle Hamilton could definitely offer some huge stability in that secondary coming into a second year. We know the athleticism and how great he is, how physical he is. Um, and maybe that's going to be highlighted a little bit more in a Texans team that maybe has a little bit more of their feet underneath them uh, during this kind of rebuild session. So I'm going to go with Kyle Hamilton as a guy that might emerge as maybe a, a really good player on a really bad team. Yeah, I like Kyle Hamilton. Um, I do think I thought he was with the uh, Ravens. Is he with uh, Texans? Is that what you were saying? Am I confusing two guys? Now I'm I got to look it up because I was confusing thinking... him and Derek Stingley, I think. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. He is in Baltimore. Kyle Hamilton yep. is in Baltimore. Well, okay. So yeah. in Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. I argument no, it's still good. Stands. Yeah. Argument no, still yeah. Stands. Yeah. I, yeah. I like Hamilton was a name I thought of and you brought up secondary. Uh, Trent McDuffie was actually the other name I was considering out of Kansas oh, City because yeah. he was highly drafted, had some injuries, didn't really get a lot of shot, but I think he's got a lot of talent and could certainly like put people, you know, by surprise this year. But uh, I like Kyle Hamilton a lot. Emerging superstar, Mitch, a guy that will break out this year. I, you know, think like Justin Jefferson last year, or Jalen Hurts last year, guys that took real big leaps to elite levels. Our picks last year were Brian Burns for myself and Max Crosby for you. Okay picks, not great picks, but, you know, solid picks. Uh, who is your emerging superstar for 2023? Chris Olave. Oh, Mitch, yes, I should have gone first. I knew I should have gone first. Yeah, that was, I had it Chris is Olave. Chris well. Olave. <laughs> yeah. Look, he's going to yeah. have a competent quarterback there with him in New Orleans. And look, I'm not expecting historic numbers, but you know what? With as good as Derek Carr throws the football, and he's not in a Las Vegas Raiders, you know, system anymore. Maybe things open up and Chris Olave has a 1,300-yard season, 1,400-yard season. I mean, I I could expect big numbers from Chris Olave. And uh, he's going to be in an offensive system where he's going to be kind of the de facto number one, the most worried, you know, the most fretted about, worried about weapon in that offense. Chris Olave should have a very, very um, successful second year. Um, and... I, I, I think he's going to emerge. I think this is his big step year. Yeah, I Chris Olave was my pick. I will nominate somebody else uh, because I did have another name as well, but he is so primed for a big breakout. 119 targets last year as a rookie, over 1,000 receiving yards as a rookie. Had a good, a really good rookie season. Very but good. yes, is in prime position to have a great second year. And think like... Yeah, if he can get to that 1,400 receiving yard mark, he had 74 receptions, he gets up to like 90, 95, eight touchdowns. He's going to be a pro bowler. That's boom. Superstar in the making. I love it. Uh, my pick, though, I'm going to go, speaking of corners, uh, talk, talking secondary. I, and you could argue he broke out a bit last year, but not to a superstar status. I'm going Pat Sertan for the Denver mm. Broncos, the cornerback, because he had a great, he, he's had a great career so far. Very good rookie year as a corner break, you know, 
took a big step in year two, really emerged as the guy. He is the corner, the number one in Denver. He's the kind of guy that true number one corner you want. Can he take it to Pro Bowl level this year, elite level, like amongst the great young names at corner? I think he can. I think Pat Sertan is building to that right now in his career. And this third year is, is where he really makes a mark and puts himself, you know, where we're talking about him in sauce as some of these top young corners in the league. So uh, give me Pat Sertan on that one. Yeah. I mean, big, big, big champ, Bay- champ Bailey vibes out of this guy. I mean, just, I mean, he has all the tools necessary to be an elite dominant corner in the league. Um, I, I'm really excited to see if he can make that leap because my comp would obviously would probably compare him to his father, but I think <laughs> the most fair comp to him is champ Bailey, which is a hall of fame level di- type of guy. And I think this guy has hall of fame type level skills um, that he's just going to have to continue to grow upon. So I love that pick for Pat's hand. Yeah. All right, Mitch grass ain't always greener. Uh, this is a uh, category for a player who is in a new destination. Maybe he got traded. Maybe they signed in free agency, but uh, a new destination that it's not just, it's just not going to work out quite as well as maybe people think our nominees last year. I had Marquise Brown moving from Baltimore and Arizona. That was a pretty good one. He struggled with injuries and that not a good situation now, clearly there. So uh, grass is not greener in Arizona. There's no grass in Arizona. It's a desert. Uh, and for Mitch, you had Tyree kill, which was uh, yeah. not good at all. That's not good at uh, all. No. Tyree kill had a fantastic year. Uh, just as just the same with Tua. So, uh, you know, yeah. we win some, we lose some, but uh, this year time for redemption, Mitch, who is your nominee? For the grass ain't always greener award 2023. I'm going to go with another top tier wide receiver. And I hope I'm not wrong this time again. I'm going to go with DeAndre Hopkins to Tennessee. Um, I think that this is not, I mean, just it's deteriorating in Tennessee. I think that he got there like two or three years too late. Yeah. Um, Tannehill is not going to be the long-term option. There's something brewing in Tennessee in the quarterback room. I don't think he's going to have consistent quarterback play. Derrick Henry is starting to deteriorate there. Um, I mean, he has to at some point, right? Because this sustained success just cannot happen year in and year out until he's in his mid-30s. With nothing else really around him outside of Traylon Burks, I could see um, this being a really, really difficult point in D-Hop's career. So I'm going to go with D-Hop as – the grass ain't always greener. Yeah. Candidate. I like that one. You know, Tennessee, it's a tough situation. Not like it was great in Arizona, but he certainly didn't go to like a better situation, you know, if anything, no. slightly better. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a good pick there. Uh, my pick for this, Mitch, I'm actually going with head coach Sean Payton. Mm. That is my pick for the grass ain't always greener because I think we're just kind of, penciling in success for a guy that's only had success in one place with one quarterback for like one stretch. And then like, that's all Sean Payton's done. Never been a head coach anywhere other than new Orleans, really never been a head coach for anyone other than drew Brees, And obviously had a ton of success, won a super bowl, you know, double digit win seasons. We know all that, but that's about it. And it kind of seems a little interesting that we're all just assuming 
that all of that great success that happened at that other organization, at that other franchise in a different situation will just translate over so easily to Denver, who's clearly in a very difficult situation. I do think things will be better. I think it's a good hire. I've been pro Sean Payton uh, in Denver, but I just don't think it's quite as easy as people are making it seem like it's just this easy transition. He goes over and lives happily ever after having success in Denver. So I'm not, I'm going to go Sean Payton on this one. Yeah. I mean, and history doesn't lie Dallin, right? Doesn't John Gruden left, went and did the booth stuff, came back. Wasn't that good. Yeah. Joe Gibbs left, went to the NASCAR thing. Very successful at the NASCAR stuff comes back as a head coach. Wasn't that good. Yeah. I mean, we, we've seen this happen before. Art Shell did it with the Raiders. We've seen this happen with guys that leave, then come back, and things don't always pan out. And so I think it's totally fair to put Sean Payton in this category because there's just there's no other track record other than that one instance, that one eight-year run that we saw with him with Drew Brees and the Saints. There's, there's nothing else yep. outside of that. So. Yeah, and with Drew Brees, a Hall of Fame quarterback, and the Saints, right? I mean, right. when you get that guy for, I mean, he coached there for 15 years from 2006 to 2021, and what, all but maybe, I don't think there was a single season there he didn't, maybe that last season, I don't think he had Drew Brees, but I think he had like, Taysom Hill for part of it. Yeah, I yeah. think it was the Jameis Taysom that year, and then, like, that's it. So, I mean, that whole time with a Hall of Fame quarterback, yeah, I, I just thought, I think it's quite as easy. So there you go, yeah. Sean Payton. Uh, speaking of coaches, Mitch, first coach fired. Uh, I was uh, spot on with this one last year. I nominated uh, my team's head coach, Matt Rule, uh, and he was definitely the first head coach fired. Uh, you were uh, you nominated Arthur Smith last year for the Atlanta Falcons, who held on to his job despite finishing last in the division. So but they outperformed. Go. Yeah, yeah, they did despite being last. So. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I found this one one of the more difficult categories to come up with names for. As I looked at the standings, I honestly didn't find many places where I felt confident that they would be considering firing a head coach this year. I really didn't. I'm curious your thoughts. I'll let you go first here with your pick for first coach fired. But was this like an easy one for you? Or do, were you similar to me where you kind of struggled to find, uh, I guess, like options? No, I, I wasn't very confident in the two names that I wrote down, but I okay. will share I will share that um Dennis Allen was the first one oh, okay. that came up for me. For the Saints. Yeah. Um in a world that the Saints start off like one and six, one and seven. Mm -hmm. They they don't wind up. I don't know if we're gonna cross paths here. I don't know if I want to share my second one just yet. Is that the one you're going with? Is Dennis I'll Allen? I'll go with Den I'll go with Dennis Allen. Okay. I'll go with Dennis Allen. I mean, there, there's just there's there's a world where the Saints just they don't get the start that they want, and they need to go in a different direction. And Dennis Allen is obviously the first head on the chopping block because he's the yeah. head coach, and you have you have to make the move somewhere. Um, yeah. So I, I and a, I'm, I'm and gonna a, go with Dennis Allen. Yeah, I like that because he's also a guy who's had head coaching experience and not been that successful. So sure. it's very easy as an ownership group to say, well. Okay, he proved to us already he couldn't be successful, and now we're starting unsuccessful, so let's not give him the benefit of the doubt. We'll just right. assume this is not going to work out. Um, whereas, like a first-time head coach, you might say, well, you know, let's let's see how it works out. Let's see how it goes, you know. Um, right. 
my pick in a similar vein, uh, I, I was going to go with the other name because I also wrote down two names. But uh, as we're talking through this, I feel good. I'm going Josh McDaniels. That was the other name I wrote down. So Be, yeah. for the same situation, like it wasn't great in Vegas last year, year two, Jimmy G, all that talent. And they start one in four. And it, the Raiders just look at, you know, they just look at jo- McDaniels like, yeah, he's not the guy. Wasn't the guy in Denver. Clearly shouldn't have been the guy. We made a mistake. We're out. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go Josh McDaniels. The other name I thought of was Ron Rivera. And mm-hmm. not even because Ron Rivera, like, deserves to or anything like that. Like, they just pretty much underperformed. They lucked into the playoffs a couple years ago at, like, 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and eight that one year, right? Uh, and then, other than that, they've been pretty mid and he's been there for a while. So at, at a certain point, you have to ask yourself with a new ownership group in Washington, how much of a leash are they giving Ron Rivera or will they look to bring in somebody new, bring in their own face? So that was probably, I'd say Ron Rivera is the most likely, but my pick is going to be McDaniels. But I hate that because yeah. I love Ron Rivera. I, me too. I, I know it. That's why I didn't want to pick it. It felt yeah. weird. I mean, the only other get into existence, the other, the only other name that I really considered was Todd Bowles over in Tampa Bay. That was another one I thought of too. Yeah. Uh, But you know, and in a similar vein, I guess of Dennis Allen, Josh McGuff, there's a lot of guys that are in head coaching positions right now that have actual head coaching experience. And so if they don't see the success start to roll in year two or three, right. Yeah, they're going to be on the hot seat. And so maybe short maybe leash. that's something. Yeah, short leashes for these guys. So I like that. Yeah, there we go. Okay, a couple more left here, Mitch. Uh, most likely to be traded. Uh, adding this mm. one this year. We didn't do this one last year. So most likely to be traded. I'll go first here. That's okay. Yeah, um, absolutely. I've got a pretty good pick. I feel really good about my most likely to be traded is wide receiver Mike Evans. Mike Evans for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, my most likely to be traded. And you're not thinking about it right now. He's not on the trade block. You haven't heard about it. But Tampa, Baker Mayfield, new era. Let's say it starts poorly. All right. And it's like, all right, you know, we're going to be in the mix for one of these top QBs. We're going to want to, you know, be kind of bad. Where can we save some money? Where can we kind of reset this thing? They've got two wide receivers. They're paying quite a bit of money in, in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. But Chris Godwin is on the books for more money, has a higher dead cap hit, 20 plus million dollars next year for a dead cap hit on Chris Godwin. It's only 12 million for Mike Evans. He has a much more eatable contract and an expiring contract this year. So let's say a contender says, you know what? We got some, we got 12 million in space, or we got 8 million. If you eat four, we'll trade you a second round pick for Mike Evans because we're making a playoff push. So I think he's the perfect kind of wide receiver weapon candidate that a contending team looking out there saying, how could we, you're the bills, you're the Buffalo bills and you've got a little bit of cap room and you're like, we need somebody else. You know, who are you looking at? Who hasn't, who's older on a team that could be expiring contract that you could try to flip for a reasonable price. So I like Mike Evans. I like Mike Evans. I, you know what? I, I was thinking kind of along the same lines you were, but in a, a different direction. Let's say the Rams, for some reason, at the trade deadline are still in a contention for a division win. This seems like such a Rams move. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah, like, well, we got to win now again. So we got to win now again. Evans. Let's sell the farm for Mike Evans. Let's yeah. go get him. And we're going to have him opposite of Cooper Cup. I mean, yeah. this just seems like a Rams type of move. Yeah, I, I like think that. this is a this is a, a this, yeah, I think he would be a great uh, a great candidate for a kind of a midseason trade. Like yep. right at that trade deadline, Bucks are out of it. Someone's looking for the push. Let's go get Mike Evans. Mm-hmm. I love that. Love that. Um, I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs. I'm going to go with Josh oh, yeah. Jacobs as a guy that's going to be traded. Hasn't signed the franchise tag yet. Um, has to be signed to be traded, right? So he has to sign the franchise tag. Um, it would not surprise me though, that if maybe he signs that just to, in order to be traded, which would be kind of similar. Like we talked about before the pod down kind of an NBA sign and trade type deal something we have yeah. i don't think we've ever seen in nfl history um a guy that's clearly not happy in las vegas he wants to move on but otherwise he would have signed the contract extension yep. um josh jacobs just kind of fits the mold for me as far as a guy that's you know probably on the move sometime either right before the regular season or you know during the uh during the regular season before the trade deadline yeah, I like that. He's still holding out, has not signed that franchise tag. Uh, there were reports yesterday that the Raiders were, again, adamant that we're not trading him. But again, as you said, at a certain point, you know, have a player not playing for you. So if you can trade him and get something for it, then you're going to be interested in doing that over having some guy hold out that you're not even getting anything for. So I like that. That's an in, that would be an interesting one. And like you said, the sort of like the sign and trade idea is definitely something unique we've never seen in the NFL. Uh, it would be unprecedented in that regard. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Final category, Mitch, the fantasy football steal. Uh, this the player who will be the steal in your fantasy football draft. Uh, last year, I, uh, I'm not gonna lie, Mitch last year, I nailed this one. If you listened to me last year, you should be thanking me tonight or when you're listening to this podcast. Cause Christian Kirk was my pick for fantasy football steal as he moved over to Jacksonville and ended up being a wide receiver one last year in fantasy football. You had Brandon cooks. I don't, I, I don't know how well Brandon cooks did. I don't know if you looked that up, how well he did comparatively. I don't think, I don't think he had a great season, but. I don't think that's good. Probably no. not great, but a chance for redemption here. I'll let you go first, but choose your fantasy football steal. I loved this guy coming out of the draft last year. I'm going to stick with him one more year. And I think it's because Juju Smith Schuster's gone. Kadarius Tony has health issues. They have to have a number one somewhere. I'm going to go with Sky Moore. Yeah. I'm going to go with Sky Moore. For the Kansas City Chiefs, I think a guy that you could snag late in your fantasy drafts um, that could potentially be a solid wide receiver, too. I'm not going to say this guy's going to be a wide receiver one, but a solid wide receiver, two, a guy that you could definitely hold on to and plug and play um, for different matchups and maybe at his best play week in and week out at a number two role. I think Sky Moore has the opportunity to do that in Kansas City. Um, with all that that's leaving around him with the health issues that are surrounding him with other players. So I'm going to go with Sky Moore as my fantasy football steal. 
Yeah, I like that one. And a, a deep steal at that wide deep, receiver. Deep. 49 in full PPR consensus, according to Fantasy Pros. So, yeah, wide receiver 49, but could be a wide receiver one at, or in that offense, which means at least a wide receiver two for fantasy football purposes. Top 20, 24 receiver would be a huge value for a guy you're taking at wide receiver 59. So double down on Sky Moore. I like it, Mitch. Uh, my pick for uh, fantasy football steal. I'm going to go. Hmm, yeah, I'm going to go Terry McLaurin. I'm okay. going scary Terry, Terry McLaurin here. Uh, Cause I think there's a lot of value outside of the top 20 in wide receiver. There's just, it's very closely bunched. So I feel like targeting anyone from 25 to 40 in that range that could potentially, you know, be a top 12 wide receiver is like a very good value spot right now. Terry McLaurin is wide receiver 25, but uh wide receiver 14 last year with Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke and was significantly better in the second half with Taylor Heineke than he was with Carson Wentz. Now will Sam Howell be more Heineke or Carson Wentz? I guess we shall see, but even in all those scenarios was uh wide receiver 14 has never finished outside of the top 30, even as when he was a rookie. Uh, so he's a consistent wide receiver too, but I think he has the upside to be a wide receiver one. So uh, I like, I like uh, Terry McLaurin. I like it. Maybe, you know, maybe that's Sam Howell's guy and Sam Howell turns him into that wide receiver one that we know he's capable of being on a talent basis. But um, uh, yeah, I like the scary Terry pick yeah. there. That's good. There you go. Uh, that is it for our NFL uh, superlatives for the 2023 season. Again, we will be uh, getting you ready for the NFL 2023 season uh, for the next three weeks. Today, uh, as you were listening to this, you got the NFL superlatives. Again, next week, we'll be live on Tuesday night for our NFL Megasode, our team-by-team record predictions, as well as Super Bowl picks. Uh, that'll all be next week and then uh, NFL awards and week one will come up right after that. So we are getting there, Mitch. There will literally be football on my television this weekend and I will be watching it and it's real and I can't wait. Absolutely. I, I wish I could say the same, but I'm moving. So the, <laughs> there might You're be, be uh, busy. Yeah, the TV no, won't be plugged there will in. Be, there will be audio <laughs> in the background out of my back pocket, probably listening to the games, but that'll be about it. There you go. There you go. Well, thanks for joining us today, guys. As always, uh, we appreciate it. Apologies for any technical issues we had in the beginning of the podcast, but uh, we appreciate you joining, listening, however you do. If you don't already, be sure to check us out uh, live every week. We are live on X a.k.a. Twitter. You can follow us at Sports Hour Guys, or you can watch on YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the Sports Hour Guys. Not only do we go live on YouTube, but we break down every episode into segments for the YouTube channel that you can watch 20 minutes of our college football preview, Mitch Moe's top five list of the week as just its own video. So a different way to consume the podcast and consume the content if that's something you're interested in, you can find it again at youtube.com slash the sports hour guys. Check out the Instagram at the sports hour guys, as well as the TikTok at the sports hour guys. Mitch, uh, there's also the podcast. People there is the can podcast. 
Yeah, if you don't want to look at these ugly mugs, you can go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and go and look up the Sports Hour, guys. You'll find us there. You can listen to that podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, look up the Sports Hour, guys, and you will find us there. Um, get on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. Tell us that we suck because, Dallin, that is the only way that we can get better. Yes, that is the only way that we could get better. And uh, 174 episodes in, still trying to do that. So, So, until next time, we love you, we appreciate you, and we will catch you next week. So long, everybody, and a very pleasant good evening to you, wherever you may be. See ya! See ya!